Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Seventeen thirty GMT. This is Eyewitness News on ninety-seven point three CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu here tonight with Eno Safo. And coming up over the next ninety minutes, government's debt exchange program in Limbo as a Christian council joins a call for the program to be suspended. Meanwhile, the technical committee on the program is currently meeting after yesterday's initial engagement. We'll be hearing more on what is happening there. Also coming up, premix fuel goes up to 25 CDs from 10 CDs. What does that mean to fisher folk who rely on the product for their harvest? And still on Eyewitness News tonight, the board chair of the, or the board, well, the chairman of the board of trustees of the National Cathedral, has been speaking following the resignation of Bishop Doug Heward Mills from the board. He says the resignation stems from, quote, the deeply seated theological differences and approach to the development of the National Cathedral. The National Cathedral is back on the front banner on Eyewitness News tonight. Stay with us for that and other stories broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. There would also be business and uh, Netele has the latest he- headlines. Economist Professor Lord Mensa confident of a review of terms of the domestic debt exchange program in favor of the individual bondholders forum. That's in 50 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and City TV. Eyewitness News is interactive. Do join us using your WhatsApp message on zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six. You can also comment on our Facebook page. Uh, that's after you watch us live on Facebook. There's currently a live stream on CTFN's Facebook page. Watch us and uh, drop your comments there. Alternatively, go on Twitter. Use the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Omaru Sanda or at City nine seven three. Across Ghana, we are on a number of affiliate stations. In the western region, we are on Premier 100.5 FM, Beach 105.5 FM, and Sky Power 93.5 FM. All these are in Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener FM 95.9 in Sunyani. In the Ashanti region, on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumase. In the Volta region, we are on Akpini Radio 96.7 FM in Pando. Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohoi. In the northern region on Dasuma, 99.1 FM in Yendi. Upper East on Word FM, 88.3 in Zuarungo. If you go to the western, Upper West region, we are on 88.1 FM. That's Westlink in Laura. And in the northeast region, Eagle FM, 94.1 in Tamale. Eyewitness News is broadcasting live from Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sandamad here with Enu Safu. And we take off straight from the National Cathedral that is generating more controversy than many projects that we 
remember in recent times. As always, the issue of how much money has been spent, who is spending the money, which architect is designing what, and how much are they being paid, and whether the budget is even going to be approved. Tonight, we're going to have a conversation with a member of the Board of Trustees of the National Cathedral Project. Reverend Dr. Joyce Aye has agreed to speak to us on the National Cathedral. Madam, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Eyewitness News. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I do. I, <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, the, the, the issue of the National Cathedral, the president said it was a priority of priorities. He said it was his own commitment to God. He invited the church to join, and of course, you've been doing what you have to do. A board was set up and all of that. Work is progressing. But the scandals are becoming one too many. Are you not worried? Is that so? Is that so? Well, You know, I I have a friend, Mm. and we have a saying between us that every exaggeration is a lie. So if you say the scandals are being too many, I would ask how many scandals are we talking about? So there are issues about how much money has been paid to the architect. There are issues about money being sent to one company who is not supposed to be engaging in contractual or construction work, and even though that has been captured in the budget as well, and I'm referring to what the Honorable Samuel Kujetua Blaka recently raised, there's issues about double identity. So let's pick them one after the other. Let's Let's start with the issue that has to do with the 2.5 million cities that was transferred to GNS 2.6 million, yes uh, GNS GNS Talents Center Limited could that not have been avoided? As far as I know in August we were in need of 2.6 million a letter was written to that effect and a member of the board decided to help and so they came into the account from Accountant General. And that's exactly what happened. Now, he wasn't doing any contractual work. He didn't get any, any fees for giving that money. You know, I, I think maybe my auditors should hold me accountable because here in Salt and Light, there are many times when money is needed, and Joyce Ayi gives a check, and when money comes in, it's refunded to Joyce Ayi. So these things happen, as far as I know. Especially if, since uh, it wasn't given us a loan. It wasn't given us a loan with interest. It was a simple transaction of meeting a need because it was urgent. Okay. The issue is with who is helping you meet the need. The member of parliament well, that who... One, mm-hmm. That one, I would say, talk to Kujetu and talk to the person he's accusing. Because whether it's double identity or something like that, I know nothing about that. And I don't think it's fair to drag the National Cathedral in for somebody's accusation against another. I think that's how I would put it. The, the thing is that if people find one of his claims to be true, 
chances are that they may find the other claim or they may believe the second claim. So he first. Why don't we cross? Why don't you cross that bridge when we get there? Has Let's cross that bridge when we get there. Okay. If people are going to find things and so let them find it, and then we'll cross that bridge. But has when a has a board convened on all the allegations made by the member of parliament, but especially? Would you want me to? Would you want me to tell you what we do on the board? I wouldn't ask you how often you have meetings, your leadership meetings, even when there are issues. I wouldn't ask you that. Omar, you, I wouldn't. Yes, except when there is a controversy that has generated national yeah, interest. Even if there's a controversy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't come publicly and ask you, have you met on the controversy? I, I think that's a private uh, matter that we should leave to the board. So has the board questioned Reverend Victor Kusi Boatin on all the allegations made against him as yet? Omaru, <laughs> I know you want to extract information out of me. And all I would say is that let's leave private board matters private. Why should I come and tell you on earth that, yes, we met and we told him this, and we told him that, and he said this, and he said no. I I don't think this is a matter for public discussion. The reason is public, and forgive me, people say that because of the accusations against him being a secretary to your board, the whole board should be dissolved. What do you say to that? I will say their opinion. I violently disagree. Again, who are these people who are saying it? What percentage of the population is it? It's a member of parliament. Like I was saying, because he got one fact right. Which one did he get right? That, that, the, that the money was loaned. Yes. And returned. Yes. Based on documents that were presented to parliament. All those documents are in Parliament. All those documents were presented to Parliament when we had to go there to uh, defend uh, the, the budget of the 80 million. All those documents were presented to Parliament. So it's not as if, you know, any document was found anywhere else other than what was presented to Parliament. The issue of conflict of interest also arose from that. How does the board intend to handle the issue of conflict of interest? Well, I won't tell you how the board intends to handle it. I will not. Okay. The reason is that the member of parliament who made the allegation said he needed to see bank transfer specific details of the letter let that... Him come, let him come and talk to us. Let him come and show us with Lucas for coming to to talk to us. Is he coming as a private member of parliament? Is he coming because he's representing a, a parliamentary subcommittee or what? I think they're professors. But if he wants to come, he's completely welcome to do so. If, if, if I, as a journalist, ask whether the board wrote specifically to GNS and if that letter can be made public... That letter was also in Parliament. The, re- the request for the money. Parliament. Yes, it was also in Parliament. 
All right. The issue of the board again, considering the resignations from the board, people say that that weakens the board. One. Two, the issue of unity among the Christian faith members, the key leaders who are supposed to be the pillars that are putting this project up. Because there is, seems to be disagreements, resignations, and so on, the whole project's unity of purpose is questioned. What do you say to that? I would say no to that. If there are people, one, how many resignations have we had? Two. Two. No, not two. <laughs> not two. If I show you the document that registered us, then maybe you would know what I'm talking about. So you are, you, you are, you can even go to the Registrar General and see who are the registered members of the National Cathedral as a company registered by Garanti. So you, 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 you will see who are the, the members on it. And then you you can talk about what you're talking about. Maybe you should take a look at it, and then we can have a discussion later. So, so officially, how many people resigned from the board? There's one letter of resignation that I know of. But that was even... I don't want to talk about it. I don't really want to talk about it, because let's leave that to... You know, we have issued a statement on it, and I think that is fine. Doug is a wonderful man of God. I don't think he should become a subject of, you know, these discussions. I don't think so. I would highly respect some of these things. As a child of God, I, I wouldn't do that to a brother of mine. But when are we going to see or hear formally from the board on some of the issues he raised? Um, when have you raised issues which we have not responded to? No, because he has left and he has raised some issues that we believe we should be hearing answers well, well, from the follow board. Follow them up if you're interested and we'll, we'll take it up on that. Please follow them up if you're interested. Can I, can I use this? forum to follow them up and ask why, for instance... No. no. Uh, as I said, you're not going to turn things around and get me to speak about <laughs> Bishop Dag, right? I don't think it's fair. I don't think so. That's his exit? The, the, take the, the letter that we issued, the press release that we issued, take everything in it as our position on the matter. Are there members of the board who are weightier than others in that can decisions be taken without some other, some of the board members being notified? He said that he wasn't privy to quote and unquote weighty decisions on the National Cathedral. And tomorrow, this afternoon, yes. Tomorrow. Yes, I mommy. said I'm not going to discuss that and that you should take what our position is, which we have come out collectively on. Let's talk I about. Think you, should, you, should, you should respect. I, that. Res, I do respect that, and I'm going to move on. Yeah. So the the project itself, we are in hard times. Uh, there are all these debates and quote and unquote battles over debt exchange program. We are going to IMF and so on. 
The question has been put forth on various fora as to whether this is really the time that we should be spending money on a national cathedral. The relevance of the project has been brought to question. What would be your response as a board member to that? The National Cathedral was never meant to be funded entirely by the state. It never was meant like that. And even what the state has sent, it has sent because it considers it seed money. It was never meant to be fully financed by the state. And when we were called, that's what we were told. The state would do certain things, and we, the members of the board, were to make sure that we raised the money to build the cathedral. It was never, ever meant to be fully financed by the state. Do you, and, and for you, maybe we didn't plan that you should talk about this, but do you remember what percentage the state was supposed to provide? Because we do know fact, that... I'm still, I'm still looking for it. I think that's the question we need to go and ask. That since the state said it would give us seed money, what percentage is it giving? We haven't got this, actually. You were not told, or you were told, no, but they're we not leaving up told. to that? We were not told. We were just told seed money. And we have relied on what seed money the government would find from time to time. We have not been told the exact amount that the seed money is. Which means that you were, you were building blind? No, we were not building blind because seed is not entire. The seed is not meant to be the entire amount. And so we were not building blind. But if you had no idea how much the state's commitment was, then you don't know where else you are going, how much you are going to raise. And I've seen many people refer to Luke fourteen twenty eight, where Jesus when said, "When Jesus is talking about discipleship, yes, but he was talking about discipleship, not concrete, not concrete building. <laughs> no, not and mortar buildings. He was talking about discipleship. But on the face of it." Who goes into a building project without knowing how much they are supposed to raise as counterpart funding to a state that says, I'm going to supply you? that you are raising the whole money. That's how you take it. You see the other one as a gift. And you decide that you need to raise the whole money. You don't go into it just because I'm building and Umaru says, I'll help you. I don't decide that Umaru is going to help me with 90% and I'm only going to do 10%. No, I decide that it will be wonderful when Umaru brings his gifts. But otherwise, I'm building. That's how I should see it. Except in this case, Umaru, whose other name is Nanadudan Kwakufuado, has said that it is his personal commitment to his God and invited you to help him. So he is the one being helped. He should be the one giving the capital. Then you give your support. But if it's been turned around that... You'll be bringing the, the funding and, and expect to bring 100% if he supports you, so be it. Then it means it's your project and not his project. Actually, the, the Articles of Incorporation make us uh, the project owner. Okay. So it's not going to be uh-huh. the state's 
project. It's going to be the project owned it by... It will be a national monument. It will be a national monument. Built and owned by... Built and owned by... Not built entirely. The state, even giving land, is a certain amount of money, isn't it? It is. A very, the very huge too. Many people say that, many people even talk about the geographical location of the, of the cathedral. Yeah, that has been a source of debate. But I, I remember when the pink, you know the pink lady? No, please. You don't know the pink lady? No, mommy. <laughs> the, um, um, the, uh, uh, Accra International Conference Center. Yes. So it was called the Pink Lady. Oh, mommy, this because the tiles were pink. Mommy, this is unfair to me. When, when, <laughs> you are a baby. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so but so putting it close to the Pink Lady, the Parliament House, the National Theatre. Yes. Traffic, considering that the road from Liberation. Oh, let me up. finish talking about that. Please go ahead. Let me finish talking about what you asked me. Okay. You know, when the Pink Lady was, it was the place was the race course. Some people have spent more than 50 years, 100 years, running the race course. But it was felt that that was the best place to build it. So the race course had to be moved. People lost money. But it was for a good purpose. And so, uh, as far as I know, there will always be discussion about whether a place is the best place to be there, and so on and so forth. So, uh, that is how I see it. I think it's a very strategic place to have it. And um, that, that's how we all feel. Even though... Some people don't like it. But some people said we should go to Amasaman. Some other people said we should have gone to Pram Pram, you know. But even there, we would have gone to find that. But no land is fallow. No land. Whether you are building roads, or you are building the schools, or you are building other things, no land is fallow. Indeed. No land is fallow. Indeed, we have no ownerless lands, but we have cheap land and expensive land. The land that the yes. cathedral is going to be built on is very expensive because we have to remove uh, judges. For God, mm. is there anything that is too expensive for God? Okay, the argument has been made that this is not really a church in the strict sense of the word. It's a monument. So, is it a God's house we are building or a project that looks like National Theatre Conference Centre? No, 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 no. This has a sanctuary for worship. It will have a, a chapel that seats about 350. It will have prayer rooms, and so on. So the sanctuary will be there, except that it is not a church in the ordinary sense of the word. It will be used for national purposes, even though the small chapel can be used for a weekly church service. It will not be the main sanctuary. People talk about priorities again. At a time we are going to IMF begging them to come help us. We are asking pensioners, we are asking individual bondholders to help us pay our debts. Should we be committing state money or taxpayers' money, money 
taxpayers' money. I'm referring to the part that the no, I'm referring to the part that the state is committing because the state we do know. In fact, recently as that is why Parliament that has the right says it will not approve it. The eighty million. It's thrown. It's thrown that one out. Yeah, he says that I wouldn't use those words. He says he won't approve it. But your choice of words is, 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 is your own. So, where does that leave the project? What? How far with the? If the state, if the state is not building it tomorrow, then it doesn't leave the 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 project in any other way except that it will go on and it will be built. Because let me stress again and again. The state said it would give seed money. It never said it would build it entirely. It never said so. Nowhere have any of us said that uh, the state is funding everything. We haven't said it anywhere. And we won't say it anywhere. That's why, you know, we are doing various methods of fundraising, including mass fundraising. How is that yeah. coming, though, the fundraising? Are people giving money? Oh, kakra, kakra. Kakra, kakra. Which is expected. Kakra, kakra. It's coming. Kakra, kakra. Mom, because it's kakra, kakra, it means that they don't want it, so they are giving small oh, money. If, if they wanted it, they would have given plenty. If you go to church and they say they are going to build and even they levy, eh? Women's fellowship, this men's fellowship, it still comes kakra kakra. That is true. I, I, I know, for example, uh, this uh, last year's budget in my church, uh, last year's harvest in my church, we started from January and ended in December because it has to come kakra kakra. So the fact that it's coming kakra kakra does not mean people don't want it. People will bring it as and when they have it. How much have we raised Kakra Hakra so far? The main country, because yours <laughs> has not come yet. As soon as yours comes out. Mom, the National Chief Imam paid mine on my behalf. Oh, it was from him personally. Okay. National Chief Imam, he paid for himself. Okay. Now, if we continue <laughs> at this rate, it may take us forever to finish. Would we have a, a oh. timeline that we are working with? Because people are again mocking the project, saying that it, has, it looks like oh, a football field. It. It's even in the Bible that things get mocked. I remember when Nehemiah was building the wall, uh, one of them said, even if a fox walks on it, it will break down. So as for mocking, it's okay. It's okay. We shouldn't be so upset because some people don't like it. You know, there are lots of times when a lot of people don't say anything. A few say things. So we mustn't generalize and say people don't like it. In any case, God loves a cheerful giver. And he can do wonders even with little. So we must always think of these things. And I know that there are some cathedrals that take a long time. In fact, there's a particular cathedral in Barcelona. It's being used, people go there, but the architect had some fantastic ideas, and it's still not finished. But it's being used. 
So this may take us a long time. Maybe some people we, may not even live to not. see it. We hope not. We hope not. But we project to finish it before Akufado ends his tenure? Well, that too. Well, let me go and discuss it at, at the board level. Then at our next interview, I'll share it with you. Okay. A Catholic friend of mine has sent me a message. He says that every cathedral has a bishop. Who will be the bishop for this cathedral? And I'm sure the person is asking it in relation to whether it's going to be a national monument, a church, an interdenominational well, center, if, and so if on. You're using, if you're using uh, the Roman Catholic uh, or Anglican, what would I call it? Doctrine they or, or doctrinal, they are doctrinal stand, then that's what you would say. But if that is not, because if it has a bishop, it's because the place is used for daily worship. I'm not even sure that the Notre Dame is like that. But when you live in a Roman Catholic uh, country, that is what will happen. Or if you live in, in an Anglican country, that is what will happen, you know. So, uh, as, for, as for nomenclatures and so on, I don't think we should uh, spend too much time. I have another meeting. Yes, indeed. I, I, was, I was just I going to say that. I talking to you, but, and we can do it again. Thank you, Reverend. In fact, I'm very grateful you spoke to us tonight. We are really grateful. You're, thank you, you are, so much. You are most, you're most welcome. That, most welcome. And thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak. God bless you. Bless you too, my dear. That's Reverend Dr. Joyce Aye of the Salt and Light Ministry. She's a member of the Board of Trustees of the National Cathedral Project. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra, around the globe on citynewsroom.com. We'll return with more. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Let's talk about premix fuel now. Eno? The price of premixed fuel has seen a 15-city increase. As a result, Fisher Folk will now purchase the product at 25 CDs from the earlier price of 10 CDs. The current increase of the price of the commodity, according to the government, is as a result of increasing costs on the international market. The administrator of the National Premix Secretariat, Nana Brakwa Sarek, says they have since explained to Fisher Folk why government could not bear the full cost for subsidizing the commodity. Premix for, like we all know, is highly subsidized by government. The subsidy is as huge as about 85% subsidy. So in recent times, government has also expressed the challenges in catching up with the ever-rising cost of fuel on the world or international market. So we engaged the leadership of the Fisher folks um, last week to discuss the modalities that can help us improve in the supply of premix fuel. And one of the things that came up strongly is 
really considering a marginal increase of um, Premix 4. So we agreed at the roundtable discussion that we would increase uh, the price of Premix 4 marginally uh, so that it reduces the burden um, on government. For the record, the gallon was being sold for 10 cities and 20 pesos. Ordinarily, a gallon should be selling for 70 cities, 80 cities. So per gallon, every gallon, that means in case uh, a cost of about 70 cities. After sitting down and delegating with the fishermen, we agreed that a gallon of four should be sold for about 30 cities. But putting everything together, I think in consultation with MPA and the Ministry of Energy, we came to a consensus that um, 25 cities per gallon. So from 10 cities, it moved to 25 cities per gallon. The figures you have mentioned is not a marginal increment from 10 to 25 is, is a very huge one. Yes, admittedly, it's, it's quite an increase. Um, I, I, I agree with you. But looking at that cost as compared to what the fishermen are currently paying for fuel, it's still a huge subsidy and it's still huge savings um, um, to them. Because in situations that we are unable to supply fisher for fuel, um, they are all tempted to buy it at the fuel station. They buy it at the price that and you and I buy four, and a gallon of four now is between 70 to 80 cities. And after they buy that four, they now have to even buy engine oil and then do their own formulation or their own mixture. And a lot of times they don't even get the ratios right. On the availability of the product, he says measures have been put in place to ensure regular supply. We were still having challenges, or we are still having challenges, um, because this increment, um, these modalities were just agreed on um, sometimes just last week. And there are other modalities that we've agreed with the stakeholders, Ministry of Energy, um, uh, NPA, um, that we are going to put in place to make sure that premise fuel is more regular and it's more consistent um, for the fisher folks to, to, to have fuel to go. So in the next couple of um, days, we are going to resume supply and we are hoping that will be very consistent um, throughout the year so that the fisher folk can always get full to undertake the fishing expedition. You heard the administrator of the National Premix Secretariat, Nana Abrakwa Sari. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. Rickstar Ama Mastfifio is secretary of the Fishermen Association of Ghana. Uh, Rickstar, you're welcome to eyewitness news. So you have the premix fuel coming now at an expensive uh, price, but you are happy, aren't you? Yeah, I think that the most important thing now is the supply. We we met at the National Fisheries Association of Ghana some time ago, and we realized that the the shortage in supply, or at some point we were not getting the supply at all, was costing fishermen uh, more money because, you know, previously um, 29 part normal super petrol and one part um, marine uh, gasoline. And so if it was possible for some increment to enable government supply, industry was willing to do that. So um, we offered a letter to the ministry. We tried making arrangements to the Ministry of um, Energy uh, to ensure that we get the supply for the fishermen. The truth is that um, even though the premise was coming, you have a lot of uh, middlemen, particularly party people, who were intercepting the premise and were still selling it at a higher cost to the fishermen. So if government was going to do a direct supply, 
particularly if we're going to work with a regulation on the premise so that you have the fishermen getting the supplies directly and they themselves selling it to their own people at the same cost that the government has approved, then fishermen were going to save on it despite the fact that the price had been increased from 10, 20 pesos per gallon to 25 uh, per gallon. So the amount is high, but it sits well with you. We are told there was a discussion that you had, and so this is an agreement that you came to, which means no problems. Yeah, like I said, uh, at the National Fish Association of Ghana's meeting, we made those arrangements. At the time they were going for the meeting, I was out of town. But I knew ahead of time that we, we were making proposals for some level of equipment which would enable us to get the supply. The key word is that we, we should get the supply directly to the fishermen rather than get middlemen who would take the supply and then create a fisher strategy in order to sell it at a higher cost to the fish, uh, fishermen. Because even at 25 cities, it's way cheaper. And so if people will continue to intercept the product, they may be able to sell it for 40 cities or 45 cities. And because they might have created artificial shortage, fishermen will be compelled to buy at 40 or 45 cities rather than go and buy normal super petrol at 70 or 80 cities and mix it. So there have been some increment, yes, but the supply must be regular and it must go to the fishermen and all middlemen would have to be eliminated. The premix administrator has said to us that the supply is going to be regular. Does it mean you can give us an assurance too that our fish should be regular and cheaper? Um, you see, there are factors beyond premix that, that and uh, for fish, no fisherman can guarantee you regular fish because it's hunting. And until you are able to make some catches, you would not be able to supply to the market. The other factor is that because it is hunting, you may build up costs because premise at 25 cities is not cheap. But you may go for a whole week and still not be able to break even. So at any point you are able to make some catches because you, you have built up debt, those things are considered as costs to the fishing. And those costs are imputed into determining how much fish sells. So it's, it's not like because you have the premise you automatically make your catches. Uh, the number of factors, and especially around this uh, period where we have the uh, minor upwelling, but we are not seeing enough fish, we, we have a lot of challenge. Uh, climate change is a factor. So the price of fish is determined not just by the availability of premium is also the availability of fish. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. And uh, we, we pray that you keep getting constant supply. And then, even, and though, even, even though you're going to be hunting, we hope that anytime you strike, you are lucky so we get more fish on our dining tables. Thank you very much. That's Rickstar Ama Ametefio. He's Secretary of the Fishermen Association of Ghana. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. And what else do we have?
The Inspector General of Police, Dr. George Akufudampari, says seven persons have been arrested with 18 others identified for defrauding the unsuspecting public through various e-commerce platforms. This follows the establishment of a team mandated to deal with such fraudulent acts within the cyberspace by the police. Speaking at the Public Accounts Committee hearings, the IGP assured of a relentless effort to clamp down on such acts. Standing that, we want to say this. For instance, there were a couple of instances where people have been duped on e-commerce platform, e-commerce market platforms, because the implication is not going around to mention names there, who have been duped. And as we speak, almost about 18 people have been identified, and out of the 18, seven people have been arrested. At times, some of these things, we, we, we try not to go out there immediately, but make sure that we, because it's a very extensive investigation, for the first time in the history of this country, you are going to hear a whole bunch of things about people who have been duped across the space of the internet, and we are dealing with them. So what we have to do going forward is to pick on all the others that you have and see what we can do to make sure that at the end of the day, we send a strong signal to these people and tell them that if you have used the fiscal space in terms of robbing people and duping people because of the measures we put in place across the country. You have the Inspector General of Police, Dr. George Ekufu-Dampari. Let's talk about a domestic debt exchange now. The Christian Council of Ghana has called on the government to immediately suspend the debt exchange program. The council says until until broader broader consultations have been made, the January 31 deadline needs to be suspended. A statement released indicated that after examining concerns of individual bondholders and the general public, the council identified lapses in the debt restructuring program. Speaking on the City Prime News, General Secretary of the Christian Council, Reverend Dr. Cyril Fiosi, told Hawa Idrisu that the step being taken by the Finance Minister to engage stakeholders is a positive one. We are talking about the suspension of the first deadline and uh, further engagement with uh, the bondholders. We we are happy to note that the Minister of Finance yesterday said they were going to engage the the affected persons and I think they have begun that process. That is why we are also asking for, for this. But what has been the interest of the Christian Council in the wake of the current economic challenges that we are witnessing as a country? Oh, the Christian Council... Uh, member churches members are also Ghanaians and uh, some of them are bondholders who have been affected by some of the decisions that have been taken by the government and the Ministry of Finance, the domestic debt exchange program. So we have had a number of petitions on our table from from groups and individuals asking us to also put in a word. So we are only doing that advocacy so that the government will do what is best for all of us, not something that will, will hurt some members of society. So that is why we put out this uh, release. Very well. Have you met with some of the individual bondholders who may be members of your various churches? Yes. Uh, the meetings have been done at various levels not at the Christian Council of Ghana head office level, but individual bondholders have mentioned it to their ministers or pastors 
and they have passed on the information to us. We have also had requests from a number of groups to give them audience, and uh, we are working on that. We have not been able to give them audience yet, but we'll do that. Uh, but we, we also feel and notice the problem, and we are equally concerned. So we have to, even before we engage those people, uh, release this uh, statement. There's a portion from your statement where you encourage the media to be circumspect on their reportage with regards to the ongoing program. What exactly mm-hmm. has come to the board or come to the table of the Christian Council with regards to the media? Well, the media sometimes can inflame a situation or calm it down. And so that is uh, the reason why we are asking the media to do that. Not that any particular report had reached our table, and that is why we are asking for that. It's just a general request at this point that the media should be circumspect so that uh, either for or against, they don't take things to a level where it becomes a problem for us, which may not be real or which may not be the situation. Right. Now, as leadership of the Christian community, what would you do to help in this crisis? Again, we are part of the advocacy process. So we look at uh, how government policy affects affects uh, people on the ground, and uh, where necessary we intervene. We are having engagements, as I said, with uh, groups uh, that have been affected by the uh, DDP, and uh, and we are also hearing from our own members about how they are affected. And so we also have engagement with the Ministry of Finance, with the government, with the president, uh, to reach the best possible resolution of the problem. We are in in this together. The the problem is affecting the whole of Ghana. So we cannot sit idly by. So we also do our best to help resolve the problem. We had the General Secretary of the Christian Council of Ghana, Reverend Dr. Cyril Fayos, is speaking to Howard Idrisu on City Prime News this afternoon. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and we'll be back with more. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Now, the Minister for Roads and Highways, Kwesi Amwakwata, says government is mobilizing funds to construct the Mampon to a draw road, which is alleged to have caused the death of three persons due to its poor state. A section of the highway where a culvert is situated has caved in for the past six months, with the nearby Tafro River flooding a portion and posing danger to road users. Speaking at the Public Accounts Committee sittings, Kwesi Amwakwata announced he will visit the site to ascertain the situation. 
last year we saw what happened in the Upper West. You know, upper West experienced you know, uh, torrential rainfall. You know, and as many as 12 roads, major roads were washed out with, with some bridges collapsing. They could not even be assessed by road. We had to go there with the kind support of the uh, Air Force. In a record time, we had to uh, rectify the situation. As we speak now, you know, by Tuesday, God willing, I am moving to uh, Mampong. Mampong Road is cut off now. No, so we are mobilizing money from everywhere, you know, to go and rectify the situation. And I am planning to move there by Tuesday. That was the Minister for Roads and Highways, Kwesi Amwakwata. Now, the Ghana Health Service has declared Friday, January 20 to Tuesday, January 24 as the sixth National COVID-19 Vaccination Days. Speaking at a press briefing in Accra, the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumabwaji, disclosed that the Health Service will deploy 6,000 COVID-19 vaccination teams across the country to ensure that majority of Guineans receive the jab. He emphasized that eligible persons Persons who are yet to vaccinate need to take advantage of the exercise to do so. The cause of the disease continues to evolve, and we still have a significant, a large proportion of the population being unvaccinated, especially in the rural areas and areas where the disease seems not to have passed over. So the fear and the, the, the need to vaccinate is not as urgent as those who have seen cases. Consequently, we are gathered here this morning to witness the launch of yet another series of national COVID-19 vaccination days, which starts tomorrow Friday, the 20th of January through to Tuesday, 24th of January, across all districts of the country. As with the previous campaigns, we're going to have 6,000 vaccination teams who will be deployed across the length and breadth of this country, employing both the static, that is, facility-based close to client strategies that is taking the vaccine to them to reach the unreached and even going to over banks to reach the where who live in those areas. The aim is to administer about 1.5 million doses, bringing us closer to herd immunity. You heard the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumar Bwaji. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netilinete Ajaho. Let's settle for the details. Economist Professor Lord Mensah has expressed optimism in a possible review of some of the modifications to the terms of the domestic debt exchange program by the technical team conveyed by the finance ministry and individual bondholders. 
This follows a meeting between the Ministry of Finance and leaders of individual bondholder groups and other stakeholders at the Finance Ministry on Wednesday to find an amicable solution to some concerns about the domestic debt exchange program. Professor Lord Mason believes that government's move to finally engage the individual bondholders will restore confidence to them. There's a step in the right direction. I think uh, this was supposed to be done earlier, before even the announcement of the debt exchange. Uh, this is what is expected of a bond contract, because it's a counterparty you know, kind of engagement, and for which if there's going to be any you know, change to the um, engagement, uh, both parties must be in the know for them to come to a compromise or possibly a convergent point. I'm very happy the finance minister has admitted that the zero coupons that were supposed to be paid this year was too low. I mean, in our environment, uh, this was a shock because uh, we've never experienced any single-digit um, in interest on any of our instruments in the past. So how come, you know, if you are restructuring debt, then you will go by 0% in, in, in 2023 and then 5% in 2024. So the whole thing that needs to be reviewed and uh, to make both parties, you know, comfortable, the whole exchange. Uh, not to say that we don't need the exchange. We need it, I mean, to have, you know, that fiscal space for the entire country. And uh, so if you are proposing something, it shouldn't be one-sided. And uh, the two-sided agreement that have been, you know, um, drumming off is what uh, we are seeing now. And hopefully, uh, maybe something good will come out of it. He's also advising the individual bondholders to negotiate with government to agree to downsize and reduce expenditure before reaching any agreements. Speaking to City Business News, he said investors must compel government to take its share of the sacrifice. Even if we go through this debt exercise and we create that fiscal space, and government continue to spend recklessly, we will not get any benefit from this entire exercise. So from where I sit, I believe that that should be one of the clauses that the, the investor community can use to bargain, to get a, a favorable condition as far as um, this debt uh, exchange is concerned. Apart from calling on the government to increase the interest rate that is on the table now, they can also, I mean, put in a clause that will limit the government from spending. Because, you know, bonds are contractual agreements, and government can always have its way you know, in the contractual agreement. That was economist Professor Lord Mensah speaking there. The Ghana Publishers Association is appealing to government to give its members some tax incentives to absorb the shocks of the expected increase in utility tariffs. The Public Utilities Regulatory Commission earlier this week announced an increment in utility tariffs effective February 2023. Speaking to the media on the sidelines of the handing over and swearing ceremony of the association, the newly appointed president, Mr. Asari Kunedu Yamwa, called on government to intervene in order to ensure that businesses thrive under the current economic situation. You, you see, any, any cost which to an extent, will be an incumbent destiny on the member uh, industry or production in the country. Uh, it's an inconvenience. And uh, I do not think that even governments uh, would want that to occur. But you see, since we do not control some of the into the production of electricity and other utilities, we will have to bear with it and see how we, we manage it. Of course, when prices of some of these goods are going up as a result of this impulse, the government will have to intervene, either by releasing some of the taxes or creating some space for the local industry to grow. Because, of course, we will not be competitive 
in any open market system. Asari Kunedu Yamwa is the president of the Ghana Publishers Association. Government is urging stakeholders within the maritime industry to strengthen measures aimed at combating corrupt practices at the ports. Government maintains that although it introduced a paperless system to mitigate corrupt transactions at the ports, the country still continues to lose some revenue at the ports. In a speech read on his behalf by the Minister of Public Enterprises, Joseph Kujo, at the Regional Maritime Sector Stakeholder Conference, Vice President Dr. Mohamed Baumia said integrity helps harness the potentials of the economy. That was Joseph Kuju, Minister of Public Enterprises. The Ghana Investment Promotion Centre is urging stakeholders within the trade and industry sector to prioritise investment in the Ghanaian space. The Investment Centre explains that the country cannot maximise its economic fortunes without significant investment push. Speaking at the third Malta Ghana Business Forum in Accra, Deputy Chief Executive of the Ghana Investment Promotion Centre, Yao Amwating Ifriye, assured investors of government support to build the private sector. We can't recover without an investment-led approach, which is why GIPC is leading uh, that uh, charge through the Ghana Cares of Atampa project, through the 10-point industrialization uh, agenda, which has been set out by the Ministry of Trade. And we believe that foreign direct investment will augment our, our efforts uh, to recover, at least in the near term. It is a complex global environment. We, we will not shy away from that. We have had a very difficult uh, three, four years. We were growing at averagely 7%, and of course, the ravages of the COVID-19 pandemic is obvious. And just when we were rebounding uh, from a post-COVID environment, we all know what happened. And as I've stated in my remarks, we are in a precarious geopolitical environment, which has enormous ramifications for economies such as ours. And you know that we are currently embarked on an IMF program, and let's hasten cautiously. But beyond foreign direct investment, we are also mindful that there is a lot of activity from local investors. The Ghanaians are investing more in Ghana, and GIPC, which is the body responsible for mobilizing not just foreign direct investment, but also local direct investment, want to encourage more of local direct investments into the near term. Yao Amwating Free is the Deputy Chief Executive of the Ghana Investments Promotion Center. And that's all for City Business News and Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netilinetti Ajahu. Up next is Point Blank.
Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CT97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash CT973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash CT973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandamari. A few days ago, the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, PURC, announced that it had approved a request made by the ECG. ECG, henceforth, has been given the chance to charge 30% ex- extra. Water, does a Ghana water company, is getting some 8%. So we lamented and went to sleep. We thought that would be the end of it. Then the Institute of Energy Security, IES, came up yesterday and said that the PURC was not fair to Ghanaians and that PURC deliberately allowed for us to pay for thermal plants instead of hydro plants and that the hydro plants would have made us pay less. And so we had that interview yesterday on Eyewitness News with Nana Moisi, the 7th of the IES. Tonight we have in studio the Executive Secretary of the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, PRC, Dr. Ishmalaka, to answer some questions on the allegations made by IES. Doc, you're welcome to Point Blank. Thank you very much. How are you? Uh, we are doing well by grace. I hope you are fine too. I'm doing well. How, how is the PURC? Yes, uh, we are serving our stakeholders, customers, utilities, everyone. So, you, you, PURC, your mandate is um, water and electric, electricity only or the other things you, you work so, on? So, water, electricity, uh, even for electricity, the economic regulation, that is quality of service and the tariff. Then we also look at natural gas transmission. Okay. There are times that you issue a statement and say that, oh, um, they should reduce how much they are charging as a way of punishing them for one thing or another that they have done. What other things do you do as PURC? Well, so we develop guidelines for rate setting. That's a tariff. We monitor uh, standards. So Energy Commission normally sets standards. How many times the light should go off in a year and all those ones. Really? There are also technical standards for losses and others. PRC also sets. We monitor, document these. Uh, we engage the utilities. Uh, we also offer education on efficiency and other other issues. Uh, offer education on customer service, your right as a customer, right of the utility, among other things. Are you on the side of the public or on the side of the utilities? We are actually in the middle. We are referee. But you should be on our side. Yeah, we are. We are we the are. victims of all the situations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so normally what happens is that we want to serve the customer, and to serve the customer, the light should be on, water should flow, and uh, the investors also need money to buy the fuel to generate the electricity. So we need to ensure at least they have the money to do that, but at the same time, they don't burden customers with inefficiency and other issues. How are you able to strike that balance? Because they, they always bring you bills that for us will look outrageous, sometimes 200%. That's how much they want you to allow them to charge. 
you could knock it down to all the way below 50%. That is like destroying and com- finishing the company. You are essentially, you know, collapsing their company. Yeah, so... Do, do, do you not go to war with them? Do they not fight you? And again, if you consider the fact that they also have to run, how are you able to justify some of the things you do to them that they still have to run, operate? Yeah, so, so we have two tariff windows. Mm-hmm. So the first one is what we call the major tariff, and that's what we had in September. Now, during that time, apart from the macroeconomic indicators, inflation, exchange rate, the cost of fuel and others, we also allow the utilities to submit proposals. Now, when they submit these proposals, they indicate the capital investment, they indicate even depreciation and other things, and even some loans they've taken which they have to pay. So when it comes, what we do is that, so the, la- the previous tariff, September 1, what we did was that there were certain amounts they were supposed to pay government. They took some loans from, we call them online loans. Mm-hmm. So we went to government that, yes, if we include these loans, then the tariff should be, let's say, 70%. However, if you allow them at least some time, some grace period, let's say one, two years before they start paying, then tar- the tariff can come down for consumers too. And government being the more like owner of ECG, and again, the person there to pay these loans to said, okay, can we suspend the payment? So whenever you do that, uh, you take some amount out. So all those things were done for, for it to reduce. However, we have the second window, which we call the quarterly adjustment. That is what just came. That one, they don't submit any proposal. No, the major tariff, we do a projection for three years. So it's for three years. Now, when you do that projection, certain factors may change. One of them is the exchange rate. So four main factors, the exchange rate, inflation, the hydrothermal mix or the energy mix, then the cost of fuel. Now, in the past, it was oil and gas. Now, mostly it's gas. So we look at changes in these variables. If they've come down, we make sure that tariff can reduce. 2018, PRC reduced tariff. So that consumers benefit. If they've gone up, what it means is that ECG and co may not have enough money to serve us well, so we have to adjust them. So these are the things you do generally, and how do you enforce them? How do you ensure that they are doing what they are doing? Because if you look at the situation in Krobo land, the people said they were being overbilled by ECG. There are times I receive my bill too, and I look at it, I'm like, I mean, how much water did I consume this month, or how much electricity did I really consume? But they will still bill you. Even for those who are on the prepaid, I mean, you buy credit and then before you realize it's gone. How do you monitor these things to be sure that we are not being shortchanged as customers? Okay, so we have uh, regional offices in the 10 old regions. Then apart from that, where we have uh, a district where we have a lot of people, so highly populated district, we have what we call consumer service committees. These are professionals who have been trained. They go around to monitor and send reports. That is the first one. We've also invested in our own laboratories. So we have water and electricity labs, PURC. And we go, so if you say your meter, maybe before now, you were getting this amount. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it's reading more than maybe three, five hundred percent. We go around to test some of these cases and make sure that uh, we also have uh, WhatsApp groups with all assemblymen in Ghana, actually. Okay. So almost every district, the assemblymen, the, the, the WhatsApp 
platform they have because people report issues to them, especially those in rural areas. Mm-hmm. So we also join such WhatsApp platforms so that we can listen to and hear some of these things firsthand. But we also do a lot of um, consumer education by regional teams and uh, the corporate affairs. So you are sure that they, they are not they are not cheating us. Well, there could be some incidences, but what I'm saying is that these are the efforts we are making mm. to ensure that we have a very balanced, uh, mm. yes. What about communities that don't have water or electricity? How, how do you help them as VRC? Yes, so we also have, uh, by law, our law was amended in 2010, and one of the main uh, responsibilities placed on us is also to implement what we call the Propo Water Project. Mm-hmm. So such communities can apply normally through their chiefs or MPs or assembly members to PURC. A team will go and assess with Ghana water or community water. So normally we do the payment, but it's implemented by other Ghana water. They are the technical people. They are the technical people. So you make the payment, you decide that this community, how do you agree on which community should be served? Because we have many communities that don't have water. Even in Accra, we have... We have towns that don't have water. Yeah, so what we do is that we make the decision, I think, twice in a year. Okay. So we assemble all the application. We send a team. So at times we look at some communities may have, but may not be enough. Okay. Others may not have at all. Others may have picnic. Others may just want, we just need what we call pipe extension, not a borehole. Okay. So we look at all these and group them. And see also the budget, how much we can we can support. Okay. But we look at those who do not have at all, uh, who do not have access to any hygienic source of water. Well. It's a quarter to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Omaru Sandama. My guest is Dr. Ismailaka. He's Executive Secretary of the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, PURC. And we're just having a conversation generally on PURC. Let's go into specifics now. The IES says the assumption you used on the electricity generation mix of 26.11 or 11% hydro and 73.89% thermal are baseless. I'm sure you've heard the argument that has been put forth. What's your response? Well, um, yes, so first let me say that we had a lot of engagement on these guidelines. And in fact, IES was one of the groups we invited and they participated. Let me just educate a little on how the hydro is allocated. So when you look at on the face value now, we say that Ghana, about 71% of our, or let's say 60-something percent of our generation comes from thermal, let's say 61%, about 38 from hydro. But that hydro, we have the legacy hydro, Akosombo and Pum. Then we have Bui. Bui is more like an IPP. They have a PPA with ECG, so we don't really count them. And again, when you look at the price of Bui, it's more than uh, 10 cents. We don't determine the price of we. They have a, a contract, and the price is there. So where we come in is the legacy, Akosumbu and Pondam. My, my, my village, Pong, not yeah. Pong, Pong, it's Pong, Pong uh, okay. my town. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Pong, Pong is the one around the tema. Okay. This is Pong. <laughs> Pong. Uh, okay. When you go there and they give you Abolo and 1,000, you know how to pronounce the name of the Thank town. Thank you. I'll go there. <laughs> or so, Akusidam, maybe. Okay. Mm. okay. So when we take the legacy hydro, mm-hmm. now there's a law, um, LI-1837, that also established what we call the electricity market oversight panel. Now, what that body does, and that body has representative, the CEO of VRA, 
energy commission and other bodies. What they do is that they approve or even determine the hydro allocation. So not all the hydro comes to what we call the regulated market, and I will explain. So they say, oh, next year the hydro will be 38%. Out of the 38%, we want to give 5% to Ghana water so that water prices will not go up. That is one. Then two, we also have commitments. VRA and others have commitment to export. They export some power to Burkina, mm-hmm. to Togo and others. So out of the export, we are also giving uh, 5%. It also goes out. Out of the 38%? Out of the 38 after mm-hmm. taking water out. Then we also have what we call the deregulated market. And these are, let's say, the mines. Some mining companies have contract with VRA mm-hmm. for certain supplies. And they direct supply. Direct, and they, ha- they add some of the hydro. So when you take all these ones out, and in fact, the biggest one is VACO. Mm-hmm. VACO. For which purpose the Akosombo Dam was built? It was built. Mm-hmm. So allocation is made to VACO from the hydro. Now, when you take all these things, in fact, the last allocation was in December. All what I've mentioned contributed about 33%. So what the, the component of the 68%, 38% that came to the regulated market. That 7%. Is, it's 67%. That is what we... 67 or 7? 67. Wait, the hydro bid is 38%. Yes. That's how much they are declaring. Yes. They have given up to 33%. Of or, that 38% to all the export... Yes. The mines, so we have only we have only, oh, then we have five percent, not no. So I'm taking the thirty-eight as a hundred percent. Okay, so, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So what is left is the sixty-seven. So okay. we can calculate the sixty-seven of thirty-eight. Okay. Uh, to get a, mm-hmm. a value. So that is what comes to the regulated market. Now, when you say the regulated, that is where we determine the prices. They deregulated. They have bilateral contact mm-hmm. contracts. They are negotiated. And we don't determine that. So the 67 is what we use. That is what we share between ECG, NETCO, and Enclave Power. And when you do the calculation, you get the 26%. So maybe they didn't uh, take notice of it. They just took that, oh, hydro is 38, and all the 38 comes into the regulated market. So why is PURC using 26? But not everything. And PURC does not determine how much comes into the regulated market. It's actually determined by the EMOP. Can you not say that we do know that Akosombo is supposed to do at least 40%? Why are you, not, why are you giving only 38% and that you are up to some mischief? Can't you do that as PRC? No. You can't so say to VRA that Akosombo and Kwong mm-hmm. will together give you 40%, and yet you are giving us only 38%. Don't you have the power to... No. So it's not nobody has the power. It, it depends on so many factors. One of them is the water level. Mm-hmm. Another is even the integrity of the dam. And then yesterday when I spoke to Nanamwes, he said that the water level was also good. Yeah, it was good. So he said all the factors were positive for us to see positive figures, but you still did not use that. No. So let me explain. Mm-hmm. So the, <clears throat> the water level was good. And that is why... So when you look at September, the hydro allocation, the hydro component of the tariff was 20.2%. Mm-hmm. Because the water level was good, that is why it increased to 26% now. Mm-hmm. So that is the first point. The second point is that how much the hydro can generate depends on, again, the same water level and integrity of the dam. And this is determined by engineers at VRA. 
PRC has no control over that. Now, when they've determined that it is, let's say, 80,000 gigawatt hours, that is it, verified by EMOP, then the EMOP will sit down and approve an allocation and write to PURC that, yes, out of the 80,000, we are giving this to export. We are giving this to Ghana Water. Vaku, which Vaku is very important, unless you say we shouldn't give anything to Vaku. Mm. We shouldn't give anything to Ghana Water. After Vaku, we cannot argue because we do know that, in fact, it is the main reason the Akosombo Dam was built. Yes. But how about the export part? Why don't we say to Vaku, mm-hmm. uh, to VRA, mm-hmm. that if you want to sell to Burkina or Togo or, or whichever country, mm-hmm. sell to them the thermal plant? So, the so, power from thermal, okay. so that we give the hydro one, which is cheaper, to the Ghanaian population. Because if you don't satisfy your children, you, go, you don't go feeding others outside. So, so that decision is above the mandate of PRC. It can only be taken by the EMOP. Okay, but you cannot raise it as someone whose job it is to protect the interests of consumers and also the interests of the producers? No, these arguments have actually come up before. Some of these are contractual issues. VRA has it's a contractual issue with say, Togo that runs into a normal, like Nigeria and Ghana. Nigeria gives us gas. In fact, we started, they started giving us gas before we, we discovered our gas. Mm-hmm. Now, we, at a point, we had more gas. Do you just tell Nigeria that after building the pipelines to Ghana, we have gas, we're feeding our children, so we'll take your gas. What do you think will happen? So they build investment, transmission lines from Togo, Benin, and others to Ghana. So yes, that is why the EMOP is there, to ensure that VRA does not send everything. So I think they give them a cap that you cannot exceed it so that more allocation, not less than 65%, will be for the regulated market. And I think that's what they've been doing. So if you just explain to us how much we'll get from the, for the regulated market for hydro, yes. what about thermal? Does everything come to the regulated market for you to then slap on us? No. So the thermal, to the, some of them have bilateral contracts, uh, maybe... VRA also add some of the thermal even to the hydro when they are. So more like they commingle mm-hmm. in order to have some price. And we should also remember that they are also competing with other producers from Nigeria and others. So they commingle and all those things. But if the hydro is giving us, let's say, 26%, the rest is coming from the thermal. And there are more thermal beyond that, uh, is it, uh, 74%. There are mm. more, more there. Okay, but should it matter how it is produced? What matters is that it has been produced and the consumer should not pay so much. And that's the position of IS that you sit at the top there. You do the analysis and calculations. The Ghanaian consumer should not be shortchanged. And that is what they find to be happening. No, so I, I also don't, we are not short. We are not shortchanging. No, not you, but you are watching for Ghanaian consumers to be shortchanged uh, by, the, by, the, by the producers. No, I don't think the Ghanaian, uh, um, we are watching. Uh, if you made that argument, I don't, maybe you can come again. I don't understand that, that line of argument. Okay, so my question is that mm. IES says mm. that what matters is that mm. the customer, you are supposed to protect the interests of the customer. Yes. They argue that in this particular instance where you made the announcement that you made and the approval that you approved, mm. the customer's interest has not been considered, and that is why we are being made to pay so much. Okay. They actually think that we could have paid less. Okay, so the, the argument is based on the fact that all the 38% hydro Comes should have been brought to the regulated market. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't give anything to VACO. 
We shouldn't give anything to Ghana water. We shouldn't give anything to the deregulated market. Everything, 38%, should come to the regulated market. If you do that, because hydro is cheaper than the thermal plants, then price will go, go down. So that is the argument. And I'm also saying that VACO, and you mentioned that even the dam was constructed for VACO. Mm-hmm. You cannot do without. Ghana water, we are experiencing 8.3% because they also benefit from some hydro. There are other contractual issues which are beyond PRC, unless mm-hmm. maybe we want to go and review all those, which we do not have the power to do. So that is the first one. But when it comes to interest, so take a look at the exchange rate we used, 10.5. Now, we announced the tariff in, uh, took effect September 1. Apart from September, October, November, December, the exchange rate we had was more than the what we used. All right. Now, let's move away. You have said that it is out of your hands. You don't really have control. So you've explained the 38% that it is under calculation by IES that has resulted in the announcement that they have put forward. So you are saying that they knew about your conversation, but perhaps they miscalculated in coming up with the conclusion. Is that what you've said? Yeah. So they're assuming that all hydro comes to the river. So their assumptions are wrong. Yes. There's another conversation about how much we are paying, forget everything else you've just explained, that as a consumer we shouldn't be paying so much, especially at this time. The parliamentary committee that has oversight on energy, the Mines and Energy Committee, says it will drag you, the leaders of PURC and ECG, to come answer questions. Samuel Atacha, who is MP and chairman of the committee, said, let me quote him, he said the PURC should be able to explain to us why they think, despite these difficulties, there should be an increase. I have not seen any rationalization for this increase, so I want to keep quiet until we as a committee find out from them what really is going on. Rationalize it for us. Why you decide to increase uh, our tariffs at this time when we are struggling? Okay, so I mentioned that we have a major tariff review. It becomes a base year. Now, every quarter, there are guidelines which was approved. Everybody's always on our website. Every quarter, we have to look at four factors. If these factors have gone up, we see how best. Because the reason is, let me explain. Take the exchange rate. Most of the IPPs, uh, ECG has PPA with. The contracts are in dollars. ECG buys the power. ECG does not produce power. Mm-hmm. They go to producers, buy the power in dollars. That is the contract they have. Ghana Water treats our water before they supply. All the chemicals they use, they import them in dollars. Now, in September, when we were coming out with the tariff, we said $1 is 7.5. By the same September ending, $1 was more than 10. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? What it means is that when you sell your power, you get 7.5. You can well, go and buy. You can go and buy. So yeah. by the end of December, you have money to buy 75% of the power you need if the exchange rate is the only factor. So the 25% you may not have. What, what does that mean? You can't buy to supply. So you buy, let's say, you have to shed load 25% of the time. We cannot do or that. Or you buy and increase the price. But that one, too, you need PRC to approve. approve. So you have to... Okay. Why do you sit and watch for VRA, our own company, mm. to sell power to ECG, our own company, in dollars? No, so VRA does not sell power to ECG. So ECG's contract with ECM, uh, uh, VRA's contract is not in dollars. in dollars. So where does ECG buy power from, from in dollars? From the IPPs. Okay, the ones that are doing thermal, the private yeah, yeah, ones. Yes. 
But those ones, we have some that we own. Yeah, so even if you add the ones we own, I think about three plants or so, to the hydro, it still cannot meet even 50% of our demand. So we cannot insist that they should not charge in dollars because yeah, these are foreign companies. Yeah, they decide how to do what they want to do. So these are legacy contracts. Mm-hmm. So what the Ministry of Energy, they now have a, a power procurement policy. One of them is that no power plant should go beyond 10 cents. Okay. Another is that we should have the PPAs in cities. So I think these are policies they are coming to implement. Which you don't have. Okay, moving forward, you are saying that this is the best deal that you could get for Ghanaians. Yes, I mean, look at the inflation. Mm-hmm. Where inflation was, December, 50-something percent, January, more than 50. We used 42, a very conservative figure. Mm-hmm. Exchange rate, 10-point-something. And even the exchange rate, the under-recovery, we did not pass everything to the consumer. We passed 75% of that, hoping that the next quarter things will be better so that it can pay for itself. Do you call the government and tell the government that this is what we are going to announce, but it's very harsh? Do you want to intervene or you don't do those things? You just make your announcement and move on with your lives. So we engage a number of stakeholders. Government is one of the stakeholders. We engage TUC, AGI, and so many other stakeholders. And so this is the best we could get. Yes. Dr. Ishmelaka, Executive Secretary, PURC, thank you for joining us for Point Blank. You're welcome. Well, my name is Umaru Sandama. The production tonight by Zoe Abubedu Ado, Beverly London, Sami Wiafi, Fred Tete Jabano. And the technical support from Daniel Squashi. Edwin Kwakufi was handling our social media for us. Thank you for listening. Eyewitness News returns tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Have a good night. Hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.